Welcome to Expand Storytelling. I'm Chelsea Bay, and I'm passionate about seeing the magic that's right in front of me and inspiring others to see and feel it too. Expand is a storytelling event featuring individuals who choose to live for their everyday, how they came to find the little things that make them come alive, and how they continue to expand their being from right here. Expand over contract, now over someday, love over fear, joy over success. Never arriving, always expanding. Logan Call is the co-founder and shepherd of Audacia Handcrafted Elixirs and has always been a spectacular farm-to-table chef. He comes alive with morning dips in Lake Michigan, building community through events and gatherings, facilitating men's circles, blasting the finest tunes, and moving through daily life with ever-increasing curiosity. Here's Logan's story from the October 2023 event in Traverse City, Michigan. If I had to reduce the experience of life into a sentence, I would say that I am either contracting, complacent, or expanding. Each present present immense challenge and beauty. Tonight, I will share with you how these energies have ebbed and flowed during the course of my life. To start, I will provide a little needed background. My parents split when I was four. From age four until present day, my father, in physical form, has never been in my life more than a couple times a year. I was raised by my mother in beautiful upstate New York with my older brother, and in many ways, we shared a truly magical upbringing, adventuring on our five acres. And yet, the older I get, the more I have uncovered the shadow sides of my early years. From a very young age, I've had a deep desire and passion for being of service. I wanted to be a fireman first, then a police officer. And around age 10, I went through a phase of wanting to join the military. For years, I had a hand-drawn American flag above my bed with the phrase, United We Stand, written on it. That passion was actualized early in life. I took to helping my mom out at a young age, which started with a passion for cooking soon starting to cook family meals whenever my mom was out working. And looking back now, another stark theme emerged at a young age. Compassion and a desire to solve issues, bring people together, and attempt to find solutions where others had failed. In my early teenage years, deep fractions on both sides of my family started to emerge. Where my brother was largely indifferent to the drama and stayed above the fray, I jumped in headfirst. I found myself playing mediator amongst family. When conflict arose, I wanted it solved. I didn't shy away from confrontation when it came to family, which is ironic in many ways, because as a largely homeschooled kid, I was exceptionally shy and awkward in nearly all other social situations. What all of this did at a young age is, is, in, is instilled in me a shadow purpose, to, other, to carry others' pain, anger, and suffering as my own. I started very unconsciously at the, t- at the time to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. As I grew older, it started to be- become something I prided myself in. And I can stand here now and tell you with confidence that it was the little boy inside me, deeply upset at the lack of a father figure in my life and doing what I could to be that person for those around me. 
I loved sports growing up. Baseball was my main sport. Fucking love baseball. There were unmistakable times in which I remember looking around and seeing every other kid at the field and on my team, having fathers in the crowd, playing catch with them, supporting them. My brother didn't care for sports at all. At home, my practice was using the back of the garage wall where I could throw balls and have them flung back at me. This is where I started to cultivate my inner warrior. After my freshman year of high school, we moved across the country to San Diego. Indep independent study continued, as did quite a bit of isolation. Unfortunately, being only two hours from my dad did little to result in any additional quality time with him. I started junior college at 17 and quickly found sports journalism as a sanctuary. Still painfully awkward and shy, sports was my one place where I had confidence and used it to my advantage. I started to excel immediately and quickly landed a job with CBS Sports while still in college. This allowed me to flourish in my own unique way, which was work. Greatly influenced by the show Entourage, I started to define myself through working a ridiculous amount. I did this while trying to become cool as well. As a snapshot of that time, I have a distinct memory of flying down a back road in my 1997 tan-colored Toyota Corolla in San Diego after covering a high school football game, finishing up the last sips of a venti pumpkin spice latte with four, four extra shots of espresso, and blasting Soul Asylum's April Fool. My favorite part of the lyrics went as such. Night driving without headlight, wearing sunglasses too, looking good but sure don't feel right, anything to be cool. And yes, I would wear sunglasses and drive without my headlights whenever those lyrics were on. While my friends were out partying, drinking, and exploring sexual relations, work truly became my life. In every other area that my life was, was lacking, work truly made up for it. And this is where the energy of complacency and tunnel vision comes into play. Relentless with my drive for work was my MO for the next 15 years. In the midst of all of that was my mentality of putting everything on my shoulders for family, friends, and soon the world. I shifted into culinary in my mid-20s, which was driven by a deep desire to make an environmental impact. In a lot of ways, as my work turned, turned more altruistic, my internal world got dramatically more unhealthy. I was now mixing in fear, frustration, and anger at nearly everyone for the perceived injustice of not giving a shit. Ultimately, my path led me to moving to Traverse City in late 2017. After nearly 15 different moves since I left upstate New York, my desire to come in coming to TC was to truly put down roots and create community that I so desperately wanted. Over the course of the next two years, I did exactly that, along with relaunching my culinary business. By the start of 2020, I felt like I belonged with a wonderful community and the next year set up to be the most successful in my career. And now we arrive at a period of contraction. At the time, I had a purely events-based catering business, which meant that COVID didn't take a hit on my business, it completely wiped it out. At first, I felt resilient. I helped others in their ventures that were still open, enjoyed experimenting with how to utilize the digital landscape as an alternative vessel for my work. That didn't work. All of it was assuming that normalcy was in the near future. 
Towards the end of 2020 is when I reached my lowest point. Not only was my business still not operational, I didn't agree with our approach to how we were tackling COVID as a health crisis. Knowing that most of my community and friends felt differently, my world rapidly became isolating and dark. It was a melting pot of anger, resentment, and frustration that I was trying to keep inside of me. Why? In my passion for making a difference through my work, I have always, always tried to appeal to everyone. My messaging was crafted in a way to always appeal to as many people as possible. The 10-year-old United We Stand boy inside of me truly believed that I could share, succeed in sharing a unifying message where others had failed. Not only was I not able to pursue my work, I was, for the first time, deeply fearful of speaking my truth. The two lifelines of my life were cut off. I was forced to make a decision. Do I continue my path of attempting to appeal to everyone, or do I embrace the growing knowing inside of me that nothing is more important than speaking my truth? In late 2020, with my body physically shaking, a little bit how I feel right now, as I started to use my true authentic voice, I started, unknowingly at the time, into an expansive period in my life. I learned very, very quickly that being your true, authentic, full self is exceptionally important because no matter how hard you try, how long someone has known you, how much time and compassion you elicit, other humans, even those closest to you, can and will change their view of who you are, even if you haven't changed yourself. Well, it was the most difficult time in my life, speaking my truth at a time when you were literally threatened for doing so, felt like a door had opened up in an otherwise dark room and light was starting to shine in. I started to understand that life is as, as expansive as your inner world, that how I show up, who I am, how I move through the world is in fact up to me. I started to uncover the degree to which I was living my life in accordance to how I thought I should or how I had been told. The deeper I went down the rabbit holes of the COVID-era digital landscape, the more I realized how much of the world and myself needed voices and energy that refused to participate in an increasingly hostile world that was only ramping up. It was during this time that I learned and unlearned the following. First, and without question most importantly, I left the two-party system in Facebook. I cannot overstate the dramatic shift in my life as I ex started to experience the world outside of ideology-driven <laughs> ideology filters. I no longer label people or put them in boxes, even if they do it themselves. That our community and world needs all voices and perspectives, including my own. Diversity in, of thought and action is the only way I've ever learned and evolved as a human. I deploy rabid curiosity as opposed to reactionary fear and judgment. I practice holding space for multiple truths at the same time. I realize that there are exceptionally finite few things in life that are black and white. That each of us carry a unique journey that has led us to who we are today and why we believe what we believe. None are more or less valuable than another. And while it is far easier to judge than to hold compassion. Only the latter is expansive for myself and others. That the silencing of one is the silencing of all. 
that even in the dark, that even the darkest of thoughts is better in the light than left to fester in the dark. This I experienced firsthand when speaking my truth during COVID times. By speaking my truth out loud, I was able to understand what I truly believed versus what I simply was parroting from others that wasn't true to myself. Had they been left unchallenged in the darkness of my own mind, I, wouldn't have, I would have stayed ignorant to many important lessons and not evolve. As these realizations and unlearnings and new lessons started to pile up, and the more I was practicing using my authentic self, one thing became clear, that being truly myself was not a light switch, but something to be learned and one that I needed support in. I realized that regardless of the fear and anxiety that I had around the idea, that it was finally time to cultivate sacred masculinity through a men's circle. This was something I had wanted to do for many years, having been exposed to the concept from a young age from my mom who has hosted women's circles my entire life. Without any experience and only a desire, I hosted my first men's circle in February of this year. Immediately, the power and significance of sitting intentionally in circle with fellow men was felt. It was through this circle that led me to participate in my first men's retreat on Maui in early spring. It was there that I truly experienced the importance of men gathering intentionally in a safe container. I experienced the power of witnessing others' work, seeing the common themes that all men struggle with regardless of age, background, or place in life. And for the for first time in my life, I felt comfortable crying in front of other men. It was here that I realized the significance and importance of finding my edge. What is finding my edge? It means anything that pushes me to my current comfort level and just beyond. This exceptionally challenging yet magical space is where old parts of myself, stories I have built, wounds left unhealed, started to die consciously. Sitting in a circle with other men finally provided me the type of masculine support and brotherhood I had been searching for my entire life. It also showed me that death comes in all different forms and is required for new lessons and opportunities to take flight. For example, I've never been a morning person. And yet, coming back from Maui, I made the commitment to get up at sunrise, bike to Lake Michigan, and jump in the water to start each day. This was back in April, by the way. In doing so, I realized that me not being a morning person was simply a story. I repeated until it was so ingrained, it was who I was. And by getting up each morning, no matter how cold or windy, I was now a morning person. I learned about the importance of recognizing the power that my inner child has on my life. That unconsciously, I was allowing younger versions of myself to steer my life in the present. As an example, I came to realize that I was struggling in intimate relationships because I was always comparing it to the fantasized world that I had built as a young boy. And every time I indulged in masturbation, porn consumption, and fantasy, I was reinforcing a story and visual that only got more ingrained. In other words, 13-year-old Logan was in, in control of my perception of my ideal relationship and woman, not 34-year-old Logan. And speaking of other versions of myself, at the start of this journey, I talked about my deep desire to be of service from a very young age. 
Younger Logan couldn't define it. I simply knew how I felt inside. Today, I can define it. It is my purpose, mission, and inner calling. More importantly, I have realized why I've lived so much of my fear life, so much of my life in complacency and or contraction. Fear would work too. The, that pure, purpose-driven, younger version of myself was buried over the years. That version of Logan never left, but the, but the magnetic, true, authentic version was largely hidden due to all sorts of wounds, traumas, and stories that went unconsciously unattended. Standing here now, I can at least identify when I am truly living the highest version of myself. It is an unmistakable feeling, one that is felt in my, my body, mind, and spirit seemingly all at once. And while I am a massive work in progress, and certainly do not live this way every moment of life, I would argue I have the most important part done. I have defined and understood not just my purpose, but the work I have to do to fully live it in the known felt sense of when I am. To close, I'm going to share with you a story that is not my own. At the top, I addressed how I see life in the concise way of contraction, stagnation, and expansion. And yet, in a lot of ways, I disagree with my own definition. The truth is, is that life is life. The final lesson I have to share with you is the concept of maybe. To simply hum be willing to humble myself to the idea of maybe. What exactly is maybe? For that, I turn to Alan Watts in the story of the Chinese farmer. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate. They said, we are so sorry to hear your horse ran away. This is most unfortunate. The farmer said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back, bringing seven wild horses with it. And in the evening, everyone came back and said, oh, isn't that lucky? What a great turn of events. You now have eight horses. The farmer again said, maybe. The following day, his son tried to break one of the horses, and while riding it, he was thrown and broke his leg. The neighbors then said, oh dear, that's too bad. And the farmer responded, maybe. The next day, officers came around to enlist people into the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. Again, all the neighbors came around and said, isn't that great? Again, he said, maybe. The whole process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity, and it's really impossible to tell whether anything that happens in it is good or bad, because you never know what will be the consequence of the misfortune, or you never know what will be the consequence of good fortune. And lastly, I will leave you with one final quote from one of my favorite books, Facing the Lion, Being the Lion. Likewise, before the Western mind regarded happiness as an inalienable right, and therefore saw pain and sadness as unnatural psychic sediments to be rid of, aliveness and woundedness were viewed as aspects of life dependent on each other in order to access something much deeper than happiness, joy. Thank you for listening.